Welcome to Quantum Leap, sponsored by PBX. We've got some amazing content for you. Episodes stacked full of ideas, inspiration, and insights. All highly valuable knowledge to help you grow your business. Ladies and gentlemen, the next segment of the Quantum Business Show. It is my pleasure to welcome a man I've known for more than 30 years. I've uh, actually sold one of my businesses uh, to him. I've worked with him for over a decade. And he's probably one of the leading business people in the world on carbon offsets and planet-related activity, being kind to it. So if you're environmentally inclined in any way, this is a must-view event. It is my pleasure to welcome Wayne Sharp. Welcome to our global show. It's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, you're- Pleasure to be here. <laughs> you're uh, with us from uh, from just outside of London, uh, Luane. You've uh, got a few offices around the world. Yeah, well, not as many as I used to in my previous life, but uh, uh, we've got a uh, office where I am at the moment. It's a home office, but uh, we have up to seven people here on any given day. Uh, we've got an office in central London, another one on the Gold Coast, where predominantly our administration is conducted. Uh, in Australia, uh, and uh, all our technology development is done there, back, back there in Australia as well. So, Wayne, uh, you're the, the founder of uh, the Carbon Trade Exchange, CTX. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that does? Sure, no problem. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the global emission footprint is calculated in tonnes of CO2. So every business has a, a, some sort of carbon footprint, which means how much their business activities produce. On the other side of the equation, there are projects out there that are producing renewable energy or some other type of energy without emitting CO2 or other types of projects that are uh, extracted CO2 or other greenhouse gas from the atmosphere. All of those things are measured in tonnes of CO2 and for the people who are producing uh, uh, carbon credits, that is each carbon credit is equal to one tonne of CO2. What they, the, the companies on the, uh, who are making the emissions can buy those credits, cancel them, and effectively negate their uh, impact on the, on the global ecosystem and on, on climate change. Uh, what we do as an exchange uh, is we do that electronically. So we, we bring the certificates that have been issued through a registry, much like a share registry. Uh, they are posted on the exchange, uh, and then uh, the, the buy side client can uh, join the exchange, log in, and then purchase what it is they want. And depending on the type of project and 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 the credit standards that we use, which are quite numerous, uh, they're then uh, they're then cancelled on their behalf. Uh, all of this is controlled and and quite well. I won't say regulated, but it's 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 a very uh, meticulous process uh, that that that's gone through to ensure validity of the carbon credits. Uh, that's why we link to. Uh, legitimate registries, uh, much like a share registry does for a stock exchange. Okay, and then for the BBX people, they can uh, purchase these offsets using their BBX money. So the, exactly. the carbon you create by uh, doing the activity, transportation and energy that you do uh, can then offset the uh, footprint that you create in the world. Exactly. And, and, you know, what we do as an exchange is for most companies, depending on the size of the company, uh, the exchange is a wholesale market, but that means you need to be a pretty large company to use the exchange. Uh, alternatively, uh, we do smaller trades uh, 
what you call over the counter where we will buy the certificates off the exchange on their behalf and do all the the background activity of course they're pay, paying more like a business b2b retail type price rather than a wholesale price that the larger uh, uh, companies would would pay yep um you know so i mean a lot of small to medium businesses might have a might have a carbon footprint of only you know a couple of hundred tons it's not financially viable for them to justify joining the exchange and all the logistics for that. Uh, larger companies could have hundreds of thousands of tonnes a year of, of carbon footprint. Obviously, that's a different that's a different animal and, and they're, they're the ones who need to buy at a wholesale rate. Yeah. Uh, the BBX client base, as you know, is predominantly small to medium business. So we'll be doing majority of our transactions through through BBX directly or, or as, a, as a B2B uh, uh, semi-retail trade. Yep. And it just allows that business to put on its uh, website that it's carbon uh, neutral or carbon zero and uh, and uh, a great way for everybody to contribute uh, to mitigate the uh, the impact of climate change on, on the planet. Exactly. I mean, look, you know, let's be realistic. Uh, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to work out that, you know, one thing that has happened with COVID is it's proven that human activity is causing what's the impact on the climate globally, because when everything stopped, all of a sudden everything cleaned up. So businesses of all scale, and particularly consumers are more and more aware of it. It's a big competitive edge for business to take the first step. Uh, it's also a protection factor because if their competitors do it and they don't, then that's a selling point against them. So either way, uh, you know, we, we believe it's a material thing. It doesn't cost that much money. The, the, this is the bizarre part. I mean, a lot of people have got this uh, misconstrued idea that, that offsetting their emission footprint is uh, is ineffective or or uh, very, you know, costly. The reality is if you look at all the fossil fuel companies, they get massive subsidies from government. The environmental projects don't. So this is the environmental finance subsidy they get from directly from business through our system. Yeah, yeah. Wayne, uh, what uh, you didn't wake up one day decided to create this, but what what motivated you to begin the whole thing in the first place? Well, in my previous life, I, I run a global business, as you know, and uh, and as I was travelling around the world, the the environmental impacts became increasingly obvious to me, and I just started wondering. I mean, am I the only person seeing this? I mean, everywhere I went in the world, I saw you know massive negative. Uh, environmental impacts and, you know, airports packed with hundreds of planes and gazillions of people and roads that were endlessly full of traffic and all this. And I thought, you know, th there's no way the planet can sustain this. Surely someone else has noticed. <laughs> uh, and I got involved with a with a, a group that ultimately led me to the Prince of Wales, uh, having met with him, uh, as you do, <laughs> um, at, his, at his grandma's house, uh, then uh, uh, I went, he, he basically formed a, a thing called Accounting for Sustainability. When I went to that meeting, I realised there was a lot of very highbrow people, but no entrepreneurs. And I thought, you know what? Entrepreneurs are going to save the planet, not bureaucrats, accountants and politicians. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah it's, uh, it's great to... Uh... I do recall a famous photo when uh, you met Prince Charles and uh, offered him a business card. He was a great <laughs> Yeah, well, it was a bit unique because uh, I, it didn't occur to me. I remember I freaked out. He laughed his head off because 
little did I know the protocol is that no one has ever handed him a business card before. And he went around showing my business card to everybody saying, did you get one of these? <laughs> so he was bemused and impressed by the fact that I went ahead and did it. So, yeah, I think being like, an Australian, you could probably get away with that. Somehow I did, yes. <laughs> Wayne, uh, climate change is a very topical subject right now. And um, uh, so what do you think stops, you know, in a nutshell, what stops uh, companies and governments from taking it more seriously and getting results faster than 2072 or something? Well, look, the first thing is that the government thing is, you know, particularly in places like Australia, it's all political, uh, driven by money, uh, corruption, I will call it, frankly. Um, the reality is that it's down to business to make a difference, in my opinion. Uh, you know, governments will uh, <coughs> put in policies, but they're putting in policies that, you know, won't even be held accountable in their lifetime. And the people who are saying, you know, net carbon zero by 2050, they'll be dead. So who cares what promise they make? They don't have to worry about it. Their kids have to worry about it, maybe, but the grandkids perhaps, but certainly not them. They don't have to be held accountable as something that's going to happen in 30 years' time. It's ridiculous. In business, we're accountable to our consumers and our clients and our stakeholders and even our supply chains today, tomorrow, next week, next year. So, you know, we need to start stepping it up, in my opinion. I've always thought that. Maybe I was a bit ahead of my time 10 years ago when we when we really kicked this off. But, uh, you know, here we are and these days uh, everybody is much more aware of the problem and, you know, we're just trying to provide a, a simple solution. Yep. Brilliant. And, you know, there's no excuse now with uh, things like BBX options where people can trade spare capacity to fund these things. So yep. uh, if business leads it, hopefully it'll all get done. Wayne? Look, a great example of that, John, is where we, we the, the, the announcement we made earlier this year where airlines could trade empty seats in exchange for their offsets uh, to offset their emissions that they have to do under regulatory regime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what? They, they still didn't do it because they're just trying to be profitable rather than be socially responsible. In my opinion... The businesses that you're dealing with are, are, are particularly are more engaged directly with their consumer than some of those guys that, uh, you know, probably never get on an aeroplane and travel business class, or if they do, they do it quietly. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they're, you know, they're not engaging with anybody and they're not really touching the marketplace, whereas the, 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 the BBX clients are, and therefore they should be much more aware of the positive impact of doing something positive and the potential negative impact of doing nothing. Yep. Wayne, um, I know you've got very strong views on COVID and we haven't got time to go through those today. <laughs> um, but what would you suggest uh, for businesses out there that need to be, I talk about being a little bit nimble, a little bit agile rather than this pivot word that gets up my nose, but on, on how to do some stuff to combat some of the issues with COVID. Have you got any little tips on what a business could do to help itself get through this, uh, this mess that we're in? Well, look, first of all, I think it's smart play to work out what government support leverage you can use in your business. That's the first thing because, let's face it, all of us in business know the government probably never gave us anything, particularly small business, right? So take what you can get. Secondly, 
I think that you need to make sure that you've got a team on board that's capable of mentally being resilient and maybe broadening their direction if necessary. But in our case, what we did was the opposite. We focused. We said, look, let's work out which part of our business is going to be able to make money during this time when everyone's sat at home, zooming away like this, how can we best sell to those people and what do we need to bring to the table in order to do so? So the first thing we I started doing was getting, uh, I brought on a couple of people as sales support, as an example, right? And, and they're just out there hammering away on LinkedIn and social media, trying to find people who they think could have a connection, setting up meetings for our salespeople. You know, where we used to have to physically have a meeting with with people to pitch to them, now we're able to have a lot more meetings per week. You know, one of our relatively recent sales people, very senior woman, she had 25 sales meetings last month when usually that would be what we'd expect someone to do in a quarter maybe. So, So, you know, of course, we're trying to present also to bigger companies. Well, guess what? That's one thing which we... We had a lot of trouble doing. You couldn't get in the door with some of the big decision makers before. Well, now they're all working from home. They're zooming away. You know, they've got they can give you more time or give you some time at least more easily because they don't have to physically be in meetings. No one's coming in, barging in their office, interrupting them, etc. So as long as you've got a good presentation, they're more likely to hear you. And finally. I think that, that because of this this environmental awareness, I'll call it, that's happened as a result of COVID, there, in our case, we identified the fact that more companies needed to be aware of it and we could modify our presentation to them somewhat to try and get their attention more readily. Look, every, every business is different, but, you know, I mean, I can see dramatic differences in restaurants, for example, or pubs or whatever, some who respond well and some who respond appallingly I mean one pub I used to go to all the time I walked in the door and the woman attacked me with the bloody uh, uh, you know spray I'm like get out of my face you know like what do I want to go in there I didn't feel welcome at all yeah but you know I went into a, a supermarket once and and the first thing they said is where's your mask and I'm like how about hello yeah welcome yeah you know? so I think getting the staff engaged in how to make sure that they treat life as a positive despite whatever restrictions is probably also a critical part and keeping a positive momentum we 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 worked out how we could continue to have physical meetings at least once a week right you know kept within the boundaries of whatever bullshit rules are out there (laughs) but you know just basically tried to say let's try and make business as normal as possible Let's make sure we keep people engaged personally. We're having regular communications. Now, you know, the internal communication is an important part, but, again, you can overdo that as well. Just because everyone's able to suddenly talk to each other from home doesn't mean they should. Yep. So I think, I think it's a little bit of, you know, imagine that you had your business and you just acquired it from someone. What would you do to improve it today but it's your business, so you don't want to change it. You don't want to do what a lot of people do and buy a restaurant and change the menu <laughs> and, you know, decide that they're not going to cook steak anymore, they're going to be vegan and then lose all their clients. Well, let's not pivot 
that far. Yep. <laughs> no, it's uh, some good uh, good tips, uh, Wayne. Wayne, I talk about uh, starting businesses with the end in mind as my number one tip on starting any business. You've successfully floated a business on the stock exchange for many millions of pounds. Uh, what was your vision with that? Was uh, did you adhere to that, or did it just uh, just did it happen? What was that journey? Well, I think what I learned the hard way about that is go to the market with the team that you've got that works. Don't try and bring in the old grey-haired expert third parties who don't know anything about your bloody business. I got sucked into that in London. The end result was I ended up delisting the company, bought back all the minority shareholders. You know, it was it was an experience, but not necessarily a happy one. But and also a lot of people waste exhaustive amounts of money and forget that that, that you know capital raising and 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 going public is a, is a, an event that's you know it's bigger than your marriage. <laughs> Yep. Sorry to say. So, you know, you better be really prepared for it and you better be not only be prepared to get married but have children, three dogs and a couple extra cars. Yep. So, you know, I mean, that's the sort of situation that you're in in business if you decide to go public. I think that setting out with a view to go public, I mean, this is a very American thing that, with a, that they think, you know, I've got an IPO, I want to be the next Facebook sort of thing. Well, that's great if you've got access to venture capital and you've got a funky idea and all that. But for most of your business operators, you know, they're more likely to be able to build a business successful that could be made available for a trade sale than they would be for an IPO. Yeah. So realistically, you know, that's the type of business you want to build, which means the first thing is you want to make sure you're profitable, which means you're using every resource available to you smartly, including your, your BBX account, um, to maximise your cash profits so that your business looks as healthy as possible. Now, you know, what you don't want to do also is, you know, misconstrue what your business is doing because, you know, the trade turnover should be a critical part of your business if you're ever going to think to sell it. I mean, I've lost count of how many businesses I've seen that sort of kept that under the table and then, you know, the, the new business owner, when they bought it, could not understand for the life of me why half their customers went away. Well, it's yep. because they closed their bloody trade account. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they went, well, okay, I'll just go somewhere else where they do take trade. Yep. So, so I think, you know, be honest, be straightforward, build the business profitably, make sure that, you know, you, you're doing your business smart. And if you really... You, you got to make a decision at some point in every business whether you want to run a small to medium business and be happy with that, right? And just you know have a great lifestyle and work hard, but you know play hard. Whether you want to expand and make a bigger or bigger business, or whether you want to have something big enough that could either be an acquisition target for a larger com competitor potentially, right? And, you know, a lot of people treat their competitors like they're hostile. Well, well, they, they're, they're, they're competitor. They're not your enemy, right? You know, you can learn from what they do and maybe if you engage with them through an industry association or some other way, guess what? You might find that one day down the track they're going to make you an offer too good to refuse. Cool. Wayne, you've done a lot of trades over the years. What was your best one? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there's been some interesting ones. Let's put it that way. Uh, I remember trading a uh, um, a shopping centre for a boat once. I didn't really want the boat, <laughs> and I thought I had it flipped, but that didn't work out. So I ended up with a boat that uh, you know I lost a bit of money on. Yeah. Um, you got a lovely penthouse, for instance, on the Gold Coast. That, uh, yeah, that yeah that's point. probably that is probably my best deal. So you know, I basically had uh, someone uh, a trade the trade sales guy went and pitched to the developer to take twenty five percent of the purchase price on trade on a penthouse apartment, uh, which was you know millions. Uh, and guess what? He accepted. He spent the, the the trade on painting the outside of the building, uh, doing certain refurbishments, tiling the bloody driveways of that and three other buildings he was doing, landscaping on that and a couple of other properties, et cetera, et cetera. So he got his value for money easy. Uh, um, the, the the buttercup merchants in Nagas days who, who did that, Sorry to mention that name, but anyway, uh, and you know the trade merchants, they they got the benefit of the new business they wouldn't have got. Everybody won, uh, and I ended up with a beautiful property which I still own twenty two years later. Yeah, so, uh, it's worth worth quite a few million dollars now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, what would be your number one tip for anyone out there to get better results from their trade account? Just if you had to pick one thing. Well, I think there's two things. One is communication, but the other one is make sales. Because if you, you know, if you if you want to get attention from your trading team at at, 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 at the exchange, then you're not going to do that if you never sell anything. If all you want to do is just spend, uh, and as if you're spending down to spend out, then you're not going to have their attention and support. You know, I think communication is the next biggest key. I mean. You know, in our type of business, it's a little more difficult because we're not part of a normal business operation, so we're a bit unique. But if I look at all the businesses I know that have been in the trade systems over the years, you know, those that are actively engaged with the the, the, the trade coordinators and even working with some of the salespeople to find the things that they want and go sort them. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, that, that's one of the things that, that, that set me, for example. Um, Look, you know, I had a. I came across the other day. I got a, a liquidation sale for a jewelry store that's been running for twenty eight years, and he's closing down. Of course, it's probably COVID probably tipped him over the line. Uh, you know, and I thought, I mean, this guy's jewelry is really expensive. Okay, and I thought, there's a BBX client. Let's refer him. Yep. I just that's right. not, just before this call today, I, I was uh, talking to a client, and he's got a six thousand pound marketing plan that he's putting together. He spoke to the supplier, gave me the lead. I spoke to the guy, happy to do it. Bingo there, he saved himself thousands of pounds in cash. Just in Exactly. And in this guy's case, he's going to end up with a, a store that's closed with a whole bunch of jewellery. You know, what the hell is he going to do with it then yeah. after that? He might as well sell it all through you guys and have some trade that he can spend to, to, to fund his retirement if that's what he does. Yep. Right? Wayne, you've uh, travelled the world and met some interesting people. What... Uh, what stories that you can tell us about what was the most uh awe-inspiring person that you've ever met and why was that Ooh. well yeah it's a difficult question i mean there have been a lot uh i've met royalty and 
high-level business people and sports people and politicians all over the world. Um, you know, one of, I think one of the most interesting people I met who was incredibly engaged was Julia Gillard, who was the Prime Minister of Australia. As she came down and saw our stand at Carbon Expo in Australia, she just lit up. I mean, she just really wanted to have the photos at our stand. She loved what we were doing. And getting that sort of engagement is hard to forget. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, the, the the meetings with Prince Charles were pretty uh, pretty hard to forget as well. I mean, I went on to sponsor the the you know black tie red cross ball at which they raised two million pounds, uh, not from me, <laughs> um, uh, for charity. I think one of the most unique meetings I ever had was uh, uh, in the UAE many years ago. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, our our system was was going to go into the UAE. They have seven Emirates, and uh, the 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 guy who was the head of security for the Emirates wanted to meet with me to discuss licensing what we were doing. Anyway, we had a meeting in the Hilton Hotel, and, <laughs> and at the end of it, he goes, oh, "Look, he said we're launching this new thumbprint biometric scanning system tomorrow. I want you to be the first. And I'm like, I've got an 8.30 flight, Matt, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> tomorrow morning. He goes, well, I could delay your flight. <laughs> we go to the airline. <laughs> so that was, pretty, that was pretty cool. I didn't, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't understand why the hell I would want a thumbprint entry into the UAE on a permanent basis. Didn't quite, uh, didn't quite add up for me. There you go. So, well. Uh Wayne, you spend a lot of time traveling the world, and uh, it's a you know leading any business is a lonely place at times, and uh, there's a lot of talk with uh, mental illness and uh, people that are struggling uh, around the world. Do you have any strategies that overcome you know being the lonely at the top uh, scenario in running any size business? Well, look, I found that probably in a large degree you get back what you give out, right? So. You know, I engage with helping business people generally, not because I have to, because A, I like it, and B, sometimes then they're coming back to me with ideas, referrals, that sort of stuff. So I think over time, you know, you need you need you need to be able to build a network. I mean, one of the advantages I had back in Australia and here uh, when I was more actively involved in the in the barter exchange networks is exactly that: going to trade shows, going to the events, meeting people. You know, you look at you look at the, the the people that are doing that, and they're building a unofficial support network as well, right? I mean, you know, all business is a lonely business. You don't have to be running a big global company to 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 be a little lonely at the top. I mean, you know, I can remember uh, people who sold a a, a, um, a delicatessen and they hadn't been on holidays for five years. Uh, they sold it using the trade system as a big chunk of the, 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 the transaction. You shouldn't have to wait that long, guys. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to enjoy the fruits of your labour, otherwise why the hell are you doing it? And I th But I think importantly as well is, you know, it's one thing to have personal friends, but you need to be able to talk about business. And to do that, you need to be talking with your peers, at least in other businesses, even if they're not in your sector. Yeah. Wayne, you've uh, been in many countries and recruited a lot of people and uh, met some interesting characters like me. Uh, and what, uh, what, There's not many like you, John. What, uh, 
Thank goodness. What, uh, what tips would you have with people when they start to employ people? What would be your number one uh, tip with, uh, with employing people? Well, I guess it depends a lot on what industry you're in. See, if you're in a service business, you better be good at leading rather than uh, demanding, right? Because if people in the service industry will just move on otherwise. You know, if, you, if you've got good, good leadership, means that they feel engaged with the business. They feel like they're part of it and they own part of it, even if they don't. You know, in certain businesses, uh, there's other challenges. I mean, if, you, 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 if you're manufacturing things, I mean, the question is, do you actually know how these things are made? I mean, maybe you bought the business and you don't. Well, my suggestion is learn. You know, I mean, it's one of the first things I did. My very first sales job was selling bulk frozen foods to people in their homes in Sydney in Australia. I didn't know shit about bloody bulk frozen foods, but, you know, I knew the bloke who recruited me had a nice car. <laughs> so what did I do? I went down to the factory and spent half a day every week for the next six months down there understanding how... The business, how the how the what we were selling was made. So I think that 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 in my view, if you think about that and you think about the people you're recruiting, what's the job they're going to have to do? Can you do it? And if you can, how would you do it best? And what type of person you're going to get? And that I think is the other key thing is try and you know if you oh look, we just recruited a new office manager for our Australian office. We decided to recruit, use a recruitment agency because in the past we'd made some bad decisions. We wanted someone to do, you know, to actually do reference checking and give us a give us a short list of quality candidates, and that's exactly what we got. Okay, now you know when I did it because Mister, you know, we can do everything. I posted a thing on Facebook. Two years later, the bloody job advert's still there, <laughs> and there's 67 applicants that I'd never looked at. Yeah. Right. So if you really want to do good recruitment, I still think that a lot of that is also how you're perceived. You know, in every industry I've worked in, I've striven to be the best in that industry or at least present as the best straight down the middle and doing exactly what you say you'll do. Don't try and be master of everything, be really good at that one thing or that one group of things that all relate to each other. What that means is that people will start to come to you, right? Uh, and, you know, I mean, that's been the case. I mean, you know, we've got five or six applicants for sales jobs, sales roles with us right now from all different parts of the world. Uh, and and they're just, they just want to be able to sell something that's current and exciting and positive, yes, but they're, they're just more interested in engaging with the team that's positive and in, and out there and, and 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 presenting the business in a positive manner. Yep. So Wayne, uh, what's next in the on the agenda for Wayne Sharp? <clears throat> well, what you can tell me about. What should I should be doing or what am I doing? Uh, look, you know. The issue of climate change is astronomical. In 2015, Paris Agreement was signed at what they call COP21, Conference of the Parties. I mean, it's a scary thought to think that the COP26 that's going to be, it should have been in England right now, or just be finishing now, uh, 
means that they've been negotiating on how to deal with climate change for 26 years. I mean, this is outrageous. I mean, what the hell? If we, if we, it, I thought about, I thought about, you know, maybe what they should do with these climate change negotiators is say, look, you know, you've got two years to get a deal done or you're sacked. And then the next lot, you say, well, you've got 12 months to get a deal done or you're sacked. And then the next lot after that, you say, you've got 12 months to do, do, do this or you're executed. <laughs> You'd be surprised what that inspiration might do for their negotiations. Anyway, unfortunately, that's illegal. So, um, <laughs> look, the bottom line is that, that, that we've built a technology solution for uh, countries to house their registry uh, uh, solutions to issue the credits that they need to do under the Paris Agreement. So carbon credits will, will take a whole nother level in the near future uh, where countries will be buying, you know, developed countries will be buying off, off poorer countries. You know, it, it's not the only solution, obviously, what we're trying to do. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to require a lot of money and a lot of change of business environments. The commercial businesses, ranging from small, medium to large, and even corporates, really have to stop fluffing around with greenwashing and get on with actually doing something positive, especially if it doesn't cost that much. So for me, look, I just figured that that, that this type of business, it'll certainly be my swan song. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, I mean, will we, would we go public again? It's unlikely. We'd probably look for a trade sale next time around. Um, you know, the, the, the public thing really is a young man's game. And why is it so? Well, the reason it is because it requires a lot of effort and it also requires a lot of attention and there are a lot of distractions and external costs. So, you know, I, I don't think I, in terms of getting the job done, what we're trying to do, I don't think I'd go through that again. Um, you know, in terms of business opportunities, we are constantly riddled with opportunity to diversify into related business sectors. What I'm doing instead is seeking to engage a network of people who already do that for a living so that we'll create those relationships. The downside of that is you, you have less control. So of course people do shit they shouldn't do. They, you know, they, they, they decide they get greedy, they do something stupid, whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think that we'll be diversifying anytime soon. Uh, and more importantly, I think that the, the, the future of the, the issue of climate change is so prevalent, really what we've got to do is make sure we keep building the tech solutions that are going to solve those problems for as many businesses as possible, small and large. Excellent. Wayne, it's been my absolute uh, delight to have you on uh, the show and I, I trust that people watching this can take uh, a good lot of tips away and some ideas to uh, help them in their business and the environment and other issues that you all know you're passionate about. Thank you very much for joining us today and uh, it's been a pleasure, Wayne Sharp. Thanks, John. My pleasure too. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to make a quick note of anything you found particularly useful. Join our LinkedIn page at www.linkedin.com slash showcase slash quantum leap business show to keep up to date with news, content and forthcoming events.